Welcome to the Eastview Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're a church in Belton, South Carolina, who's committed to love God, love people, and build the kingdom. We're currently in a teaching series through the book of Acts titled To the Ends of the Earth, where we study the early church and principles that we can apply even today to our local churches. We pray that you will enjoy this podcast and that it would be beneficial and just leading uh, to, to new teachings in your heart. If you would, please like, share, and subscribe this teaching to make it more readily available to those that you love. We love you, and God bless. Us with is There's a lot of space in this big, beautiful facility. Guys, more than you realize, I don't know if you've ever like really done a look around, there's a whole balcony up there that at one point in time in the history of this church, people had to sit up there. There, there's pictures to prove it, just so you know. So much so, guys, there were times, you see these big empty spaces up front, people had to stand or sit because people were excited to hear the gospel. And this right here was a hospital for the lost that people knew they could come to to hear that gospel. And you know what? I'm excited for us to continue to head and trend, if you, if you want to talk math terms, to continue to trend in that direction. That once again, this is a place that we are a hospital. Guys, if you didn't come last night to this fall festival, if you didn't come and see the amount of people in our community who aren't in here right now, but are receptive to the point that they came to church. And even if it was just to get candy, they came and saw the light of Christ through people in this facility, in this place. And we want to be that light once again, guys. So as you look around, because look, this is like nobody ever does this, right? Y'all never just look around. But I want you to actually take a second and look around who do you see that's normally here that's not here? Look around. Who do you see in your day-to-day life that you wonder, do they have a church home? Do they have a people? Do they have a place where they can go and feel at home? Now what I want you to, 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 to see is start visualizing those people right beside you. Start visualizing those people once again in this place. And that's why we're here. That's the root of it, guys. There's no one person. There's no one group of people. It is us as a body. It is us as a fellowship. As Paul says in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 2, that we are to have one heart, one mind, and one goal. So I, I, I challenge you before we even get into the message this morning. Are we living that out? I know the answer. You know the answer. Now let me, let me just kind of present something to you. What's stopping you? What's stopping me? Right? Alright, so now we've all had a quick reality check before we get into the message. Uh, I know you're going to have to do a flip real quick. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter 4 and kind of put one hand in Matthew uh, chapter 4. Uh, and then we're also, we're going to, of course, land the plane uh, in Acts chapter 10. But kind of take your left hand and go ahead and flip uh, to Matthew chapter 4. And then use that right hand 
to keep your place there in, in Acts chapter 10. Uh, so when, when you do this, when we stand here in just a second, when you have Matthew chapter 4, if you will, stand with me. And now again, with your sword in your hand, with your Bible in your hand, who's missing? Who do you not see that you normally see? Who do you not see that you want to see? We got people like Miss Frances Foster who would love to be here right now. And she's sick. Y'all keep her in your prayers. That would love to be here and can't be here. But we find any excuse to not be in the house. Guys, we can't have that heart. We can't have that mentality. Matthew chapter 4, and it'll make sense in a moment while we're here. Uh, picking up at verse, uh, picking up at verse uh, eighteen, real quick. Matthew chapter four, verse eighteen. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called to them. Verse 22, guys. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now really quick, with that right hand, you should be in Acts chapter 10. We're going to read verse 23 through 33 real quick. So he invited them in to be his guests. And the next day he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful, or some translations say uncommon, it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when, he, when I sent for, I came without objection. And I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, for days ago, about this hour, I was praying in the house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And Cornelius, your prayer has been answered. And your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear 
all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just pray that in this morning, in this moment, God, in this hour, that we not, we not pause, God, that we not take a break, God, that we search for you, God, that we seek you. And in this teaching, we find you, God. In this moment as a family, this moment as a, as a fellowship, God, that we truly have one heart, one mind, and one goal, Lord. And I pray that this morning, God, that your word would be lifted high in our hearts and in our minds, God, that we would find you here. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So what we have there in verse 23 uh, to, to 33 is just kind of a quick recap of everything that we saw, right, in the first 23 uh, verses here of, of Acts. And <clears throat> there's a reason why we looked at that passage from Matthew chapter 4 before we dove in here. So did you notice a common thread? Who was there in Matthew chapter 4? Simon, who's called Peter. And what did Jesus say to him? It's not, it's not a trick question. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. When he said fishers of men, this word is ethnos. All people groups. In other words, come with me. And I'll show you how to bring those who are far from me to myself, says Jesus. So Peter was there. Peter heard that. Peter was at the cross. Peter was at the, he was at the trial. He watched Jesus be beaten on our behalf. He watched Jesus to take our burdens on for himself. And still something had kept Peter from really getting it. Peter is literally the leader, one of the two main leaders of the church of Jerusalem. Or in other words, the church of the circumcision, as it's called. The Jewish church here in the synagogue or here in the temple. He's the leader of it and he missed the whole gospel. The leader of the movement missed the entire gospel. Because he was so firm and so set on the box that he himself had drawn. And you know what Jesus came ultimately and said was look outside of the box, guys. Look at the people in your neighborhood. Look at the people in your community. Don't just look at the Jewish people. Don't just look at those who are like you. Look at all ethnos. Look at all people groups. Bring them to myself. And maybe part of what had stopped Peter from what he needed to accomplish was this thing that still strikes us to the core. It's called pride. See, Peter wanted to be the center of the show. Right? And in this moment, in this passage, we see Peter really for the first time pass up the spotlight. For the first time, we see Peter, this man literally bows to him and attempts to worship him. And Peter says, whoa, not me, man. One way, Jesus. Not me, not man, not I. Jesus. If your gospel is centered around self, then you don't have a gospel. You have a false narrative you have drawn. And Peter, really for the first time in Scripture, says, man, I, I think I've had it all wrong. You see, he, he says... You yourselves, verse 28, know how unlawful, it's not actually against the law, it's just against their practices. It would have made them unclean 
to have someone from a different uh, ethnicity or a different ethnos to actually dine with him. And what, what's crazy, what you don't understand, so when's the last time that you just had somebody over for dinner? All right, so now you're going to be racking your brain for a long time trying to, to figure that out. You see, in their culture, in their time, that was every day. And, and not just like a special dinner every once in a while. They shared meals together regularly. They did life together regularly. And we've gotten away from that, guys. We have gotten into a very me, you, I centered gospel. If Jesus is not at the heart and at the center of your gospel, again, I say to you, you don't have a gospel. You have a false narrative you have written. The thing is, we're, we're not real good authors in terms of the grand narrative of time. You guys remember the first three chapters of Genesis? Yeah. Doesn't look so good when we're in charge. But every day we get closer and closer, not to the beauty of what we had in the garden, but to the distance that we had drawn from ourselves, from God in the garden. Because every day we, we become more and more me-centered. And part of the reason why, and I told you, there's a reason why we did what we did. Part of the reason why you can look and literally imagine people in seats is called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know better, you know what you need to do, and still something keeps you from doing it. And again, I submit to you this morning, investigate yourself. Is it pride that keeps you from inviting others? Is it some sense of entitlement that we think we're better than others that the gospel somehow is not, it's redemptive for us, but not for them, that they don't deserve it. We are all wretched, family. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Why are you withholding the cure to all of man's illnesses and keeping it to yourself? We're not being good stewards. And again, I pointed us to this place. I pointed us to this this man-made beauty and this perfection, I would even say, that we've been entrusted with. Because right now, if we can look and imagine, if we can imagine bodies in it, we're not being good stewards. What we're going to see here is some, some math. And you're like, what? I did not come to church for math. But it, it's kind of like, it's some Jesus math. Does that make sense? You're like, that's a thing? Well, it is now, okay? We're going to look at some Jesus math. And so I want you to, to keep this in mind. I want you to hold on to this, right? 35, and I, look, guys, look at me. Pause. Okay, don't do this on human math because it's not going to add up. But what I'm telling you is you've got to stop looking at everything on the human side. So let's do some math together. 35 plus 36 plus 42 Equals 43. So if you got a note, like I would, look, I never ask you to take notes. Jot that down. Because uh, it's vital that you hold on to this. 35 plus 36 plus 42 is going to equal 43. And y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. You're like, that math is not mathing. But when you see it, your heart will be convicted and the math will add up. Picking up at verse 34, he says, So Peter opened his mouth. 
and said, remember I told you guys when we dove into this, this book of Acts that we're going to be looking at just a lot of sermons preached and taught by Simon Peter and Paul, right? You, you guys remember that. Well, this is one of those. It, it, except <clears throat> if people will say, I would share the gospel with people, but I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do it. I don't know, well, you know, ah, we'll find excuses to not share the gospel, right? All right, so I challenge you, hold this one. This is a beautiful place to share the gospel. So Peter uh, says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Or in other words, He shows no favoritism. See, the Jews had gotten that in mind, right? That it was a very Jew-centered gospel. It was a very Jew-centered salvation. And only me, and if you don't agree and you don't like it, I'm going to take my ball and I'm going home. Right? That, that was the Jewish approach. And not only that, we've seen it, and we've seen it in the book of Acts. If they didn't agree with you, they literally plugged their ears, yelled, nah, 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 and ran away. How many of us are doing that in our lives, guys? Somebody presents an idea that's different than what you think. Somebody presents an idea that's different than your mentality, your mindset, and you just plug your ears and say, no, 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 uh-uh. You're not receptive to other people. You don't realize other people have needs because you're so... Focused, I'm so focused, we're so focused on self. Look at verse 35. Here's where the math starts. But in every nation, again, hey, remember that fishers of men. Remember that that, that men word ethnos, all nations, all people groups. Guess what reappears? You guessed it right when you said ethnos, all people groups. But in every nation. Or in Jesus' words, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, right? But in every nation, anyone who, anyone who fears Him. In other words, they have an awestruck fear, an awestruck wonder. Remember when we were talking about our signs and miracles? There was this awestruck wonder that removed, not removed doubt, right? Because we get this idea that just doubt is unbelief, and that's not true. Doubt is us figuring out what we believe. Jesus says those who can look at doubt, wrestle with doubt, and still find the answer in Himself, and those who do what is right and acceptable to Him. In other words, those who will, who will believe and those who will repent. That was Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus said, remember, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Now, Peter, all the things that Peter has been taught, you start to see in these these sermons, you you start to see that it's all coming together for Peter. And he says, all who believe in him and do what is right and acceptable to him. In other words, they have put Jesus back at the center of their gospel. Those people. More math. Verse 36. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. In other words, 35, he was Savior. But look at this, verse 36. He's Lord. He's got to be your Lord and your Savior. Not if, and, no ors, no, no, no but. Both, guys. He has to be your Lord and and your Savior. If He's only measuring up to one of those, 
Can I, can I just be really transparent with you this morning? I guess it's not a time to, to stop being transparent this morning, right? If he's not your Lord and your Savior, your last breath here will be your first breath in hell. There's, there's not like another way for me to circumnavigate this. There's no bush to beat around here. If he's not your Lord and Savior, then he's not your Lord at all. He's not your Savior at all. Verse 37, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. In other words, guys, for real, Peter is living out the Gospels right now in this sermon. He's letting it all play out from everything he's He's been told everything that he's seen firsthand. He's letting it all unfold for all to come to Jesus in this sermon. All people. Those who suffer from addiction. Those who are Gentiles. Those who have been divorced. Those who are murderers. Those who are the most just wretched that you say they could never know him. That's the people that Jesus came to die for. You're not too good for salvation. And trust me, you're not too bad for salvation. That's the good news. What you just heard was literally Peter's opening statement where he said, God is not partial. God is not... He, he is not a favoritism. He, he shows no favoritism. He chose His people. Who are His people? Anyone who is birthed into this flesh, this realm, this place, who would call on Him, fear Him, in other words, believe Him, and repent from the old way of life. Again, if your gospel doesn't have repentance, then you don't have a gospel you have a false narrative you have written. Repentance isn't always addiction and disease and the addiction. It, we, we, we just we like to pinpoint certain things. Repentance can us be putting pride aside. Repentance can be us putting greed aside. A hedonism aside. A narcissism aside. And realizing on our own merit, we're worthy of nothing. But when Jesus becomes the, the lens through we, we which we see all things, then, and only then, can we receive heaven. Verse 38, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. There's this moment where Jesus is just immersion baptism. He goes under the water and when he comes up out of the water, 
Literally, the Holy Spirit comes and rests, guys. The Holy Spirit comes on this place, comes on the Son of God. And God can be heard saying, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. God the Father becomes the herald in that moment. And all of creation aches. All of creation moans. All of creation in that moment acknowledges a need and a want and a thirst that can be satisfied in Christ alone. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Family, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's in Scripture. I'm not making this up. There is an oppression that the devil has on you. Notice something though. Notice something. Does it say a possession? No, you're correct. It doesn't. It says an oppression. Why? Because the devil actually has no authority over you. You give it to him. You willingly give it to Him. All of us, family, all of us worship something. Whether you realize it or not, you may unintentionally be worshiping the devil. I didn't hear anybody say, that's good. Right? And we are all witnesses of all that He did, both in the country of the Jews, or in the land of the circumcision, and in Jerusalem, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. From the Psalms, we know this literally as, as a curse. Jesus literally took the curse of this world, and all those who would fear him, believe in him, and turn from the old way of life, that curse no longer has a hold on you. Again, family, we're all worshiping something. The devil has no authority other than that which you give him. Verse 40, But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. And then this verse 41, it seems kind of strange, but we'll unpack it really quick. Not to all people, but to those who have been chosen by God as witnesses. In other words, uh, not, not everyone literally saw uh, the, the physical resurrection, right? Not everyone saw the physical resurrection. Can, can I just remind you of something really quick? What is faith? A belief in something that you can't see. In other words, those who, who God knew would only believe if they saw it with their own eyes. They saw it. I pray that you don't have that little faith. That you have to see it. Because often, family, if you have to see it, it's too late. but to those who have been chosen by God as witnesses. Again, I told you, 
Literally before our very own eyes, we see Peter unpacking the entirety of the gospel. And we say, I don't know, uh, you know how to share my faith. Hey guys, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm literally delivering you a softball pitch this morning. You want to take somebody to a place and share your faith to share the gospel with them? Acts chapter 10, uh, this, this verse uh, 34 through 43 it, I mean, God doesn't deliver any more of a, of a whopper down the middle than this. What you just saw right here in this 38 through 41, what you just saw right there is the gospel presentation. Jesus came, He died your death, He rose on the third day, and then He ascended. Gospel presentation. There's this beautiful thing. Were you and I ever a part of that, that gospel presentation? No, it was all about what He did for me. Not what I did and told someone about. It's what He did for me. And here's where the math starts mathing, y'all. Remember I told you, 35 plus 36 plus 40. Two is going to equal 43. So here's our, our last, uh, here's our last on the left side of our, our equal sign. And it says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Hey, there's this really cool thing, guys. Look at me. Look at me really quick. Just look at me for one second. If, if Jesus is the judge. Oh, don't you finish that statement, Caleb. Don't finish that statement. If Jesus is the judge, when did you put yourself into that seat? When did you take possession of the gavel? When did I take possession of the gavel? Kind of what I thought there. We self-appointed it. So let's make the math make sense for you real quick. So you might have to, to do some flipping real quick, but 35, let's, let's read them as a parent. But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right and is acceptable to Him as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify the things we just saw right there. That he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And if you've done all that, if we add all that up, if we make that the summation, if we make that the focal point of our lives, then we see verse 43 playing out in real time. Then to Him who all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Man, guys... In all this Jesus math, we weren't any part of it. 
It wasn't our charisma. It wasn't our oration skills. It wasn't our popularity. It was the power of Christ and Christ alone. And all we have to do is be faithful to deliver the message. Sports Center just had an alert for somebody. We have to be faithful to deliver the message. Literally, the message was just delivered. If you want to know what kind of sense of humor God has, that was it. What's stopping you? What's stopping me? Can I be really honest with you again for a moment? Do you know what's stopping you? Oh man, I I, I saw about two people that said it. You are. I am. The reason that that me-centered gospel that you, you thought you had, the reason it's not very successful is because you were in it. Jesus plus anything else is not the real thing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Kids, I know I got my third to fifth graders in there. This math that we've taught today, please, if you, hey, look, actually, if you want to take this math to your teacher, take it to her. Explain it though, right? Don't just tell her that 35 plus 36 plus 42 equals 43. But you may actually get to be a witness to your teacher, kids. See, we, we, we like to think of the kids as just kind of here and they're just in the moment. These kids are probably more faithful witnesses and more faithful at sharing the gospel than you or I. How do I know that? Uh, Because when we have our events and we invite our community in, do you know who the most people who I see come in that aren't part of this church? The most of the people that come in say, this kid right here invited me. That kid over there invited me. I don't often hear one say, this adult invited me. That adult invited me. So you're looking at the kids like they're the future, and I'm telling you, you got it wrong. They're the right nail. We got to do our part, adults. Right now, we're getting shown up by some kids. And you wonder why Jesus said we have to have faith like that of a child. See, you thought your faith was too big. But it's so big that you can't share it. And watch what happens. These people who they shouldn't have any part of the gospel because they're not Jews and they are not a member of the circumcision and they're not, they don't meet the standards of what we've drawn. Watch what happens. See, some of these people that are about to watch have never experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on their lives. Why? Because they've got a me-centered gospel. These Gentiles who don't know any better and have faith like that of a child will have the Holy Spirit dwell among them, will have the Holy Spirit dwell through them, and they will be baptized because they have faith like that of a child. Verse 44, we're unpacking. And while Peter was still saying these things, He's literally still pouring out the gospel, y'all. 
The message ain't even concluded yet. And the Holy Spirit starts to fall on all who heard the Word. Does that mean it became some big hoopla? No. It means that conviction rang through the people. Could there have been some who spoke in tongues? Yeah, you'll see it in a second. But more than likely, the bulk of what you see here are experiencing other spiritual gifts. You know why you might not believe in miracles? Because you don't believe in the spiritual gifts that God has promised to you. Because you're too big for your gospel. But somehow you're also at the center of your gospel. I know y'all are looking at me funny and saying, my math didn't add up, but man, that math that we're doing, that really ain't adding up. And he and the believers from among the circumcised were the Jews who had come with Peter were amazed. The people who already knew Jesus supposedly as Lord and Savior are amazed at the faith of those who have literally been in the faith for like seven minutes. They said, man, I wish I had a faith like that. Because they came into it with honesty. They came into it with integrity. They came into it with intentionality that they would pursue God. What's stopping you? And they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues, not just speaking in tongues, but also extolling God. In other words, they're literally shouting the praises of God. And then Peter declared, look, Peter, the same one who back at 23 said, hey man, Don't let anybody else find out that you, a Gentile, are here in this Jewish house. That same Peter says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? Let me put this in modern terms for you. Peter said, ah. C.S. Lewis had a famous quote where he said, the first thing that we... We, we utter in heaven is, aha, it all makes sense. Well, here Peter says, can anybody withhold the water? In other words, it all makes sense. I'm seeing it. Now remember something. Peter was one of those with so little faith that he had to see the resurrection to believe it. Can anyone withhold the water for these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. So guys, we're about to go into our invitation. And let me, let me kind of challenge you with something this morning. Maybe you believe in Jesus. Maybe He's your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been baptized. Was your baptism in order? So what does that mean? It means, were you baptized just as a kid because it seemed like the right thing to do and your parents told you to do it? Or were you baptized on the right hand of your salvation? Did you know Jesus Christ as both your Lord and Savior and then baptized? 
Or maybe you came from a different denomination and you've been sprinkled and you say something just doesn't feel right about this. Something, there's a conviction here for me that I just don't feel like I've done what I'm called to do. Get with us, guys. That, that thing gets pretty warm. We don't have any excuses, right? It's not even cold. It gets warm. So I challenge you this morning as we head into our invitation Do you need to make your life right with God? Do you need to to recommit? Do you need to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ? Do you need to make sure that your baptism is on the right side? Do you need to come and feel convicted to be a part of this church family? Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just pray that this morning, God, that, that Your Word... That your your spirit would just continue to talk to us as we as we work through uh, invitation, God, and that this morning, Lord, that we not leave this place before we nail it all down. That we not leave this place, God, before we are certain that we're certain we have taken the me out of the gospel and placed Jesus firmly at the center. We just pray, Lord, that you'll continue to work in your people. That you'll convict us, God, and to lead us to yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.